We left the pandemic now, let's just say, in a much more aligned, we're positioned now to do things differently where we can spin up or spin down different go-to-markets. So we're prepared for an account-based go-to-market. We can launch that into a new vertical, into a new the enterprise, whatever that might be, right? They remember, we had to spin up and spin things down. We have to be built to that. You cannot do that unless you're end-to-end. I'm sorry, you just cannot. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the B2B MX Podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Tarico, and I've got my friend Craig Rosenberg, Distinguished VP and Analyst at Gartner with me today, and I'm really, really excited. I say it's a very special episode, not only because Craig is here, but Craig is also presenting the first keynote at our upcoming in-person B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange. It's literally coming coming up in just a few days in Boston. So I'm so excited. We'll be getting a little sneak peek into his presentation to really get the crowd excited for our big event back. If you are not familiar with Craig, he was actually the co-founder and chief analyst at Topo before the firm was acquired by Gartner in 2019. He is an esteemed thought leader in the B2B space, one of the top analysts that you could find in the industry. So we're so excited to have him on the podcast today and, of course, at B2B SMX this year. Craig, what is going on? It's so great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, are you kidding? I'm so excited. I mean, if anybody could just listen to our pre-call and how excited I just was to hear your voice and to talk, (laughs) get excited about (laughs) seeing everyone again. I'm just like, yes, I'm in. Tell me what to do. We'll go talk and let's go talk B2B anything. Let's just do it. So anyway, I appreciate you inviting me on to be here and I'm looking forward to hanging out with everyone in Boston. Of course, of course. Yeah, we're so excited. Obviously, some people may still be a little concerned, but we are ready to go. Obviously, we're keeping everything super safe and hygienic and clean and and all that good stuff. But all of that is changing, but nothing really has changed in terms of content. We're going to have some great speakers, including Craig, of course. So I'm just really excited. And we were talking earlier, Craig and I, and it's been a while since we last kind of saw each other. And I think the last time I saw Craig in person was at one of Topo's events, the Topo Summit, way back when. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. Topo is now part of Gartner. The world turned upside down by the pandemic last year. We're now just trying to figure out this new world we're living in, both personally and professionally, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, in-person events are coming back, so we're trying to tread lightly but strongly there as well. Craig, so the title of your keynote, we're going to go right into this. The title of your keynote is How 2020 Strengthened Collective Revenue Generation for High-Performing B2B Brands. I'm assuming this is going to be your first onstage presentation after the pandemic. What inspired you to choose this topic as your keynote and, and why is it relevant for our B2B SMX audience? Wow. You know, there were so many things that accelerated 
in let's call it the 2020 pivot, right? Like, I mean, we all know, I mean, if, and by the way, when you do ask me, what are you looking forward to at the event? It's like everything (laughs) because we were able to crack it open, leave everything on the table again and build it back up and had to do it quickly in 2020. And there was a lot of things we knew were better. We just didn't do it. And like an example of that is call it alignment, call it collective revenue generation, call it revenue operation, whatever you want to call it. I just don't care. We always knew, you know, it's like, it's hilarious. Everyone's like, but what's the data tell us? What do you mean? What is the data? You can't tell me that it's not better if marketing and sales and sales development and customer success work better together. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, argue against it. Sure. I'll give you some data, but, but that said there was data, <laughs> right? So remember this so like in last year, the thing that was remarkable, I, and you probably saw this too, is just very simple, which is we were put to the test and people in every organization, even though it worked out for many in like tech, let's say, you still had to pivot and you had to pivot as an org. So everyone had to get into a room and realign against a new goal, likely a, a new go to market. Right. And everyone had to do it together. And so it basically put everyone in the room and, and look, there was no time or place for any of the misalignment that sort of plagued us for a long time, right? So it was actually, you know, look, it was scary. For many, it was heartbreaking personally. From a business perspective, we had to make moves and we had to do it fast. We had to do it together. And look, the data tells us, like when we ask the chief sales officers, who have you spent more time with, right, over the last 12 months, it's like 60% of them said marketing. And just so everyone knows, if you haven't done taken data from chief sales officers, when it's about marketing, there's usually like a, a minus 20% on there because they don't want to admit that they're hanging out with you guys. And so that's actually a big number, right? And, and it's number one, right? Of all the other parts of the organization, it's marketing that they're spending more time with. And that's just, we were forced to table, but the end of the day, so like I said, it's hard to argue if it's better or not. I just don't understand. Like, what well, I'm not sure why we would even have the conversation. The question's not whether we should, it's how, right? But let's just take that. If someone said to me, well, Craig, is there data that says we should be more aligned? And actually there is, at Gartner, we did do some research on, at, you know, we basically, whether sales and marketing were aligned and the CEO, there was a CEO survey, asked whether they agreed with that or somewhat agreed with that, or if they somewhat agreed that they were often at odds. You know what I mean? Like we, it was one of those where it's like, do you agree that you guys, your marketing and sales are well aligned in their strategy of the top performers? Okay. When we looked at the folks that answered that the top performers, 80% said they were at least a minimum somewhat aligned. Right. And only 60% of everyone else in which you could say it another way, 41% of those are not aligned. So if someone does need the data, which is crazy because you're basically asking for data to confirm your intuition, it works better, right? And so what did we come out with? We came out with really good examples of organizations working together. I think in one last thing, sorry, I'm not just a talker, aren't I? Uh, it's not just 2020. Actually, I think the tech is, I never try to, I mean, honestly, I've tried to avoid crediting the tech, you know what I mean? But like in this case, One of the key areas of alignment is, I mean, for us, like the key to working together is the ability to share data, right? So you got to agree upon, share, and trust the data together. And that's way more doable than it's ever been 
ever, right? The second part is workflow. And workflow, in order for us to have alignment on workflow in the past, it was really a handshake business process alignment, right? It was people-centric, but now tech, we can connect, right? We can flow data from applications. We can connect business processes better than ever before, right? And so, and then the third is just visibility. Like, can we, can we see it and share it? And those things are key to, for us to all work together. And those things can happen now more so than ever before. So those are the, you know, look, I mean, I think it's exciting. I think this is, I think it's happening. I think we've all known it's, it's right. And now that's what I want to talk about. So I want to talk about, so now I just give you all this information, the why and how, but like, I want to talk in my presentation on the things that we're seeing organizations doing and not just doing now, but one thing that I would say that we should talk about in the Prezo is, and we should talk about in general is not just where they are now. One of the really amazing things is where people are going, right? And that data thing is really important. And I'm sure you see it and it was like, uh, we're just getting better and better at giving that sort of end-to-end visibility in an end-to-end point of view. Say even folks that aren't there yet, it's fine, but most organizations are trying, right? And and they're investing in the resources to go do that. And so anyway, yeah, I just said a whole bunch of stuff. I hope it was interesting because I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. And I mean, you also, I mean, I had, I had obviously data questions uh, later on, but you kind of went through them a little bit, but well, don't worry, we'll go back to them. But what's really interesting, obviously, we did see so many people pivot and successfully get things right. And like these crazy times, people were so creative, so agile. One of your themes of the keynote is how organizations, obviously, you, you just mentioned it, turn these challenges into to competitive advantages, right? And they were able to strengthen their go-to-market positioning and their collective revenue generation processes across organizations, so marketing, sales, customer success, and all that. When we say strengthening go-to-market positioning, what does that mean to you? And and how did your clients tackle that? How do you even start strengthening your go-to-market positioning? Well, now you're asking about something we put together a couple months ago and I have to figure out what we meant there. I'm just kidding. kidding. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) No, look, I think there's two parts to it, right? There's so much to it. Actually, just narrowing it down to two. Let me answer one part of it. And then we'll talk about like some of the other aspects that follows along with what I just said. So if you take what I said earlier and, and believe that we took incredible steps to have much more of an end to end integration in our go-to-market, right? That we could look at everything. We, we could make sense of everything. The workflows were connected in some way or another across marketing, sales development, sales, customer success. You come out of this built for some really important things. So one is, remember, like we had to scale up or scale down last year. Leading up to the pandemic, I mean, think about how long it took account base to take hold. Everyone felt like it was the right thing. It was like years. Like nobody said, well, that's not true. Not nobody. A bunch of organizations did make fast changes into account based and incorporating that into their go to market. But a large right, part of the market took forever. And one of the things that we had to do was we had to go convince so-and-so and do this and to you know set things up. How are we going to track it? All these things. We left the pandemic now, let's just say in a much more aligned, we're positioned now 
to do things differently where we can spin up or spin down different go-to-markets. So we're prepared for an account-based go-to-market. We can launch that into a new vertical, into a new the enterprise, whatever that might be, right? Remember, we had to spin up and spin things down. We have to be built to that. You cannot do that unless you're end-to-end. I'm sorry, you just cannot. Velocity, right? You wanted to have, basically, we came out of there realizing, well, look, we want to be able to take any go-to-market strategy and spin it up, spin it down based on the situation, based on the market, based on the buyer and those things. So now folks left and said, well, look, like if we need more account-based, right, we can run that across the revenue chain. If we need more velocity, there's now product-led, right, is a new one, channel, right? We just created a platform where we can look at everything, what's working, what's not, spin things up, spin that. Now we're positioned competitively. Like if you can't make moves fast, the rate of change in business Nobody needs data on that. Like it is fast, right? The pandemic hit our businesses in weeks, not years. Everyone says, well, it's a black swan. Sure. But like we are seeing everything in business is happening in hours, days, and weeks, not years anymore. And so you have to be able to spin up, spin down. If you come out of the pandemic with an operation that can allow you to do that, that's great, right? If you take just the The word positioning means something to people. And so I want to tackle that a minute. So one of the things we asked chief sales officers, we we gave them choices, right? And one of the words that we use at Gartner is is reinvent, which is where you reposition the sales strategy to areas of greater differentiation and relevance to be more competitive post-pandemic, right? So you're, you're in this, that's, it's the reinvention of how you do things, but it's based on how you can win right more and how you can differentiate more going forward. And that's 64% of sales officers saying that they're in this reinvent mode. But guess what? It's not one or the other. We actually let them answer multiple, right? And so the other thing that they're doing is what we call rescale. So they're prioritizing highly effective or highly efficient routes to market, including virtual and digital channels. So that's 80% of them. So basically what we're saying is everyone is reinventing, right? They're messaging, but they're rescaling, right? So that they're, we took all the things that we've learned. Okay. Now we put it onto this great platform. And now let's just take, if you wanted to reinvent your differentiation, you know, if you had new differentiation, new messaging, and a new way to think about your go-to-market, how could you launch it? Back in the days, I remember everyone used to joke, you'd create a go-to-market strategy. It was a PowerPoint document that sat, that was looked really cool when you were saying it to everyone, but it never went anywhere. Nobody ever did anything about it. Now we can actually infuse it across the entire landscape, right? So the marketing is picks up this new go-to-market differentiation, sales does, CS, and we can, because we're looking at everything end-to-end, because we've sort of rationalized and figured out these really great scalable go-to-market channels like virtual and digital, right? Now, when we do change things like positioning, messaging, et cetera, et cetera, for example, you brought up, we can launch that and in literally within days have that throughout the entire end-to-end revenue process. So I don't know. I just kept talking about a whole bunch of stuff, but like, that's really the key for me is we've created now a situation where we can do things really fast. We can change messaging on a dime. We can go into new markets on the dime. We can change go-to-market strategies on the dime. That's what we wanted. That's what we need. We could, we couldn't do that before. If you said that you could, you couldn't, what you did in the pandemic in the 2020 was 
you figured it out, you learned all the things that go with it, and now you've built yourself a platform to continue to do that going forward. So I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff in what you just asked me to respond to, and I think that's what's so exciting about it and to go talk about. There is a whole bunch of things that we can do a lot better and will allow you to compete better. If you can react faster than the competition, you will win more. That is very hard to deny. I mean, you, you, everyone can feel it and they know it, right? And the more data will show, but like on that as we got through 2020, but now it's like when we really put it to this, 2021, like how important is that agility that we've put into our go-to-market platforms? How important is it? I think we all know that we need to be agile and let's, we're going to continue to put into the test, put it to the test in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. How about them? Yeah, all those apples. That's awesome. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, at the end of the day, being in tune with everybody that you're working with or whoever is customer facing or buyer facing, having that alignment, having that data, obviously in check, clean and integrated from multiple sources, all that fun stuff. And I feel like that's also, you know, you had the topic of data. And I feel like that's why intent data has kind of blown up now, right? Because it gives people that competitive advantage against whoever else is reaching out to their audiences. So in terms of coordinating consistent messaging across teams, providing that personalized attention, whether it's to a specific target account or a specific persona buyer, what does that coordination kind of process look like? How can we create these more personalized experiences? And now I also like I think about it, like we've gotten so much data and information with all of this digital transformation that went on. And now we're going back to more face-to-face things. How can we still maintain that consistent messaging across channels, having that omni-channel, like personalized omni-channel approach? Any best practices or advice that you could share as now everybody's kind of slowly creeping out back into the world and maybe that all those insights might not make it together digitally? What kind of advice would you give marketers kind of tackling all of this now? I will add to your question and then we'll both answer it because I think you'll really like this. I got kind of excited as I was preparing to answer this, something I think you'll really like this data from Gartner, which was that they asked buyers to basically what they preferred, like what channel they preferred across every sort of point in a typical buying cycle. So things like problem identification, solution, exploration, requirements, building, you know, there's many different words for it, but all these big things. And it's crazy. The chart is basically the same. Like they, they don't, actually necessarily say there's many of them like the website, right? Or the digital and many of them will take it from the sales rep. That's important. When you ask me that question, right? That actually the buyer doesn't see any difference. They don't care about handoffs. They don't care about like whatever channel they're on, right? They want that to be the channel where they get delivered. So it is actually to your question, the key data point, which is that, sure, the buyers, there's data that says they prefer to not talk to sales until a certain point. But like, they're also saying when they need certain pieces of information, they don't really care who gives it to them. There is a second part to that. Ready for this? Which is actually, there's not a second part. There's second and third. I think you'll really like this one. Actually, the data tells us that 
in the content revolution, right, that you've been part of, right, for years, is that we actually created way too much good content, is that like 50% of buyers will say that the amount of trustworthy information they got was overwhelming. Not bad, you know, because like, well, it seems like it's always implied that, wow, they're getting hit with everything. It's like, and it's a bunch of garbage. Well, what if we all did really well, right? Because of the demand gen report talking about, you guys have been talking about content since what, 2002? Five, like I mean, like helping yeah. people understand the power <laughs> of content, right? And it's worked, yeah. But now there's too much, and it's really good, and it's there's a lot of it, and so you know, as we start to think about, well, shoot, like okay, so they there's like a they'll take it from the channel. They're very channel agnostic. The way too much information thing. We actually just did a great job, right? The other third thing that I bring up is that when the supplier information was trustworthy but contradictory, 43% agree. That is where we put everything together. Okay, so it's like they're channel agnostic, right? There's a lot of really good information. But like if you want to lose them, then you don't coordinate between sales and marketing, which goes all the way back to your question, right? How do we disseminate? Like how do we make sure that we're all doing this? Not doesn't have to be perfectly the same, but it does have to, we want that experience to be really consistent across channels because the buyers aren't going to right now aren't saying, well, you know, like if I really want the trustworthy information, I go to the website. Actually, they're saying, please, you're making it much harder when you, even though it's really good content, it's just, it's not quite the same. I mean, we have to create that consistency. All right. So I just gave you a whole bunch of stuff. We're talking about best practices. So one is I think Again, I actually think, I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, I I actually think tech has come a long way to facilitate this. Like the amount of visibility is incredible. And an example of that is the sales content management apps, right? Where marketing now knows whether they're using the PowerPoint doc. Everyone knows whether the sales is using the PowerPoint document from a long time ago, right? I, I mean, honestly, I do feel like that has been an alignment breakdown. I've never really worried about marketing has been so tech heavy and tech centric for so long that their messages across their ads to their webinar emails to their field events, et cetera, they've done, right? I mean, they're sort of coordinated, they're tech centric, they've been in line. Where it always fell off was then the SDRs created their own message. Then sales, literally, we have, in many cases, I talked to a CMO, they'd be like, oh my God, I find, I went on a sales call and I heard this. That visibility now allows us to understand, right, what messages are being out there. But more importantly, we can launch new things and see if they're working or not. So here, that will tie everything back together. So during 2020, I think it was like, I'm going to make this number up. We'll have to go look it up. It's like in the 90%, like everyone changed their message, right? I mean, you had to. So one on that, right? You had to roll it through all your marketing. But now because of sales engagement platforms, right? The Which are essentially managed sales and sales development, digital and touch patterns or touches to customers. We can actually load them with templates that are messaging certified. And we can see if they're using them and see if they work. 
We have sales content management applications that we can instantaneously get them the messaging. So like, think about like from CMOs, oh my gosh, they would have to do a song and a dance to get the messaging into sales. They never knew whether they were using it or not. Now we know. Not only that, we know and we see if it works or not. So you've got, I just hate to be so tech-centric, but it's powerful. So you can launch and you can see if they're using it, which sounds like very negative. I'll give you the positive. We can see if it works or not. You can make adjustments within instantaneously, right? Because we can see if they're sending emails that follow our messaging, if people are responding to them, right? We can see if sales is doing the new PowerPoint that you've providing a, provided them, whether that's actually accelerating deals or not. So what I would say is I think tech is helping, is going to help everyone. And it's to be able to launch instantly, to be able to see whether it's working or not instantly and make adjustments on the fly. Because the way we have to work fast, we cannot work the way we did before, which was we would launch a go-to-market messaging strategy and we'd leave it out there for however long it lasts. I mean, literally, it was almost like until we felt like now we had to go do something about it, right? And so now we have to continually pivot and be able to put things. I mean, I, I talked to CROs, CMOs, et cetera. And they're talking about how they're, they're still just tweaking messaging on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, but they could see it. And so I think the tech investments are part of that. But again, it's coming back to data and the ability to look at the right data. That is our most powerful way of aligning. Data is our ultimate unifier. We can look at things together and see whether things are working or not. And that's after we have the ability to go launch and change on a dime and figure out what's happening, what's not. But the data tells us everything. And it's just the data is just more powerful than it's ever been before. So I would say that's just one best practice, which is like you want to build a, you do want to invest in the technology to go do this. We do want to agree on what we're going to go look at. And we want the ability to have someone who can look at the end-to-end -end visibility of, let's say, anything, but like new messaging, new go-to-market strategy, is it working or is it not working? And can we look at it right away? And the answer is yes. And so you should be able to go do that. I don't know if that helps, but it is true. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps and it definitely makes sense, right? But just specifically speaking about technology and even data, both of which I would assume as a marketer are super overwhelming, right? There are so many technologies out there. We recently uh, on the Demand Gen Report side, we spoke to Scott Brinker and Scott Brinker literally said he gave up on that landscape this year because there are just so many that you can't literally put make it a, a visual chart because there are so many technologies out there. And then of course, with the data, having all that data can be overwhelming because sometimes you don't really know how to act on it. So going back to the technology side, how can people people gauge which technology is right for them and their business? Well, someone told me that Brinker gave in on his, on the landscape. <laughs> and I think that's actually, I think that's good. He, I have one for you too, that I think you would really enjoy, which was a Gartner marketing practice wrote this, I don't know, they, they call it, I think it's called Maverick Research, right? Really cool stuff. And they basically said, look, the the 360-degree view of the customer, that pursuit of that will actually put you out of business or some like very provocative title, right? Which is, and it totally resonated with me, which is like, can't you have to make decisions on 
like what the good data is. I actually feel like marketers in many ways have been pretty good about that, right? I feel like I just remember very early when we all started talking about capturing all the data and marketers have like sort of two or three, you know, they like intent data, they like their own engagement scoring data, right? On, you know, where people are opening emails or not opening email. These are, these are pretty solid data points. But when we start to say, well, we need 6,000 data points, right? Like that's not true, right? You, you have these core sort of sets of applications that you need in order to, to run your business that tell you everything. In my opinion, right, there are sort of bulk significant data points that you want to capture, which is you want engagement data, how they're engaging with your properties and your own stuff, whether it's your emails, your websites, et cetera. You want conversation data, right? Which is the new thing. I mean, everyone should have seen that in the news and Infobot course. When you look at it on paper, you're like, wait, what? But actually, no, because the conversation data is the most powerful data. Like marketers get to use, marketers should rejoice. They will be able to use conversation data momentarily, right? So there's a good decision, right? Like, so we're looking at digital engagement data, where we should look at sales, digital engagement data, the things that their emails and the responses that they're getting and conversation data. Anyway, so that's about the data. Once again, I'm obsessed right now because I actually resisted talking about data for a long time because it was so broken. It felt like it was a a fake narrative that we gave everyone hope and there was never any way to do it. Now you can't. But as part of that, you have to make good decisions. You can't say, I need something that will give me every piece of data that's happening in the business because that's a holy grail. You'll never get there, right? You have to make these decisions. So when you make decisions on what tech to go do, you should actually just start to make sure that everything across the revenue process has a, a core platform that you can manage it with, right? So, and I think mo- like marketers already have their marketing automation is like a core platform and then they'll have an account-based, right? If they're account-based, they'll have investments there likely on top. And then fine, go get some other fun stuff like that you want to go do on top of that. And marketers do, we know that. And they know how to use it. But like sales development needs to have a sales engagement platform, right? And then conversation intelligence I just mentioned. And obviously the sales has been platformed for years against the CRM and there's other there's other solid infrastructure investments. So you sort of that's you start with, right? And you want the data from those sort of big applications. But from there, what I really want people to do is to look at the business challenges that they're trying to solve. This sounds so, I just, I hate to answer this because it sounds like something I could have said years ago and anybody could say, but it is true because I'm doing like 10, 15 inquiry a week on tech stuff. And we got to start, we got to take that step back from, hey, what should I go buy to, okay, cool. Like, let's start with what does your go-to-market look like? Where are the roadblocks for you? Okay. And with this idea of workflow, right? Shared data visibility as the core, right? And engagement. How can I engage more with better and better with customers on top? And let's go figure out where you're running into issues. And then let's go like see if process and tech can both go help you solve against those roadblocks Sounds so old school, but it is true. Like even when Brinker had that thing out there for years, I've been helping customers make decisions on tech for years. And I say, look, of course, get excited. Go look at that thing. I mean, if you, there's lots of cool logos here, but at the end of the day, right, we're trying to solve for this big go-to-market challenge that you have. And the most important thing is for us to find roadblocks. What 
What are you being prevented from doing? Okay. And if you think about today, all the things we just talked about, one of the biggest things that we need to factor in to any tech investment is throughput. We are trying to work faster than ever before. And so like what will allow us to have throughput? That's the infrastructure decision. Then the second issue we have is it's harder to engage than ever before, right? I mean, you don't need data on that, but I obviously have tons of data on that, right? Which is basically it's harder to reach buyers. So that's the second part is, well, where? Like, you know, where are we having those issues, right? And how can an investment there go help us engage more? Those are the two factors. How do we drive better throughput and visibility and how do we engage more? But let's get specific. Let's go figure out where those things are breaking down and you can make investments accordingly. I would not work backwards from a big picture. I would work into the big picture after you've sort of figured out what your revenue process look like, looks like and where the roadblocks lie. Then you can go look at the I mean, you can look at the picture anyway. It's just fun to look at. I mean, the thing that Scott shouldn't, he knows this and we all know this is, it is fun to look at. Is it overwhelming? Yeah, but it's still really (laughs) fun to look at, man. Like that thing comes out, it's like, Brinker, you dog, look at this thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of utility, (laughs) right, we do have to focus on what we can actually go out there and go solve. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Rollworks, the account-based platform for ambitious B2B marketers that want to align their marketing and sales teams and confidently grow revenue. Planning season rolls around once every year or quarter or half. You know what that means. Endless vendor calls, email threads, contacts, and planning meetings. That's why Rollworks is offering to cross one thing off your to-do list. They've put together a boss-ready marketing planning deck that includes templates for everything from ideal audience building to digital ad planning, internal selling slides to align business needs to marketing must-haves, and quick tips on how to win in 2021, no matter where you are in your account-based journey. Download your free editable ABM planning template at tinyurl.com slash ABM planning and get some major props from your higher-ups. That's tinyurl.com slash ABM planning to download today. I mean, it's really at the end of the day, you got to get all your ducks in a row before making any big moves, right? So just having all of that in place before making those major decisions and, and seeing where you could fill the gaps with with tech and what additional data you need and things like that is is definitely key here. Switching gears a bit, just would love to kind of check in with you. A little temperature check here with in-person events coming back and you'll be attending obviously B2B SMX in a few days. What are you most excited about? I'm so excited. Oh my God. So, well, first of all, I think the B2B SMX and, you know, when you were starting, you were saying some people that I think we just, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about it's like, there are people that are really excited right? There are some people that are cautious. There's people that are out. I think that will be the way of the world, right? We're going to be in a hybrid world, but there's people like me who cannot wait. And here's the thing I cannot wait for. So one is the things that I realized I missed is heightened here because we've had a year and a half of not talking to each other as much, right? Sort of physically. And so, whereas I felt like for years, the presentations at many conferences were the same ones we did like five or six years ago, because you could literally run a deck for years in B2B for a while there. Uh, You can't anymore. There's too much learning. So basically, we're going to be able to go and hear people talk and it'll be all it's going to be very fresh and right, very green things that we just learned last year. And that's amazing. But also when you get the opportunity to hang out and go talk about it, 
that makes it just really powerful. So that for me, like is huge. Like I usually don't go to any presentations when I go to these things, but this, I'm very excited. I've got, I'm going to go through probably the whole, whole day, except when I have to prepare for my thing, but of just hearing and listening and then being able to go hang out with people and go talk to them about it. So for me, I think that's, that's really the big, big thing is that everyone's learned, right? You, you know, we sort of started this conversation like, well, when we look at the abstract, you know, what are the things that we came out of 2020 with that we've learned and now we're going to move forward? Everyone's going to come from that perspective. And then, like I said, there's nothing better than, I didn't realize this before I took it for granted, but there isn't anything better than, let's just say you're at a table or you're on a couch and there's three other people and you're just talking about it. I didn't realize that I missed that. And I do. And so I think that for me, it's just an overall just feeling of not just the ability to go out and hope, you know, if you want to fist bump, fine, we won't shake hands, but the ability to go take on like really ever like these new, like green, like exciting topics, because we just went through the craziest of times. And then to be able to go hang out and go talk about it, I think is really amazing and great. So yeah, I mean, if you look at, I don't know, I was going to like pinpoint some things that I might but actually everyone's got something pretty interesting, at least in my opinion, to bring to the table at the conference. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm just going to sit there probably and we'll go hang out and talk about it. That's exciting for me. I love that. And, and you honestly, you made a great point that I haven't really thought of either is the fact that, yeah, everything is fresh and brand new. So, you know, there were plenty of times where we've seen a, a speaker and back-to-back conferences, similar kind of presentations, similar slide deck and all that. And all of this stuff is brand new because, yeah, you made a great point. It just happened. So there's going to be so many new perspectives and new learnings and new failures too, because not for nothing, I'd love to hear the success success stories too, but I love to hear what went wrong and then how people fixed it, right? And and these types of presentations are really where you get that really those good nuggets of information from, right? Oh, yeah. And you, you sort of combine it, like, let's say someone just finished changing our mind and giving us some great use case story. And then after someone said, oh, you know, we tried that. It didn't work. Like, that's what we're there. You know what I mean? That's what we're there to get. Through. It's going to be really new. I'll give you an example, though, on the really new. I used to do these briefings. I don't know. I mean, but like, and someone would get on and they would do the buyers are X down the buying cycle slide. And it's like, it's not guys, it's not that I don't understand it. It's that you realize that every tech company in B2B sales and marketing has used that slide and that piece of data to kick off every presentation for like 10 years, man. Like I'm just, we all (laughs) understand that now. Like let's move on. And that's what, you know what I mean? Like I I can't wait to see what, gosh, like what are we going to talk about first? What is the table set here is just going to be crazy, right? Because there are folks in here that's either you'll have vendors who have seen lots of clients and what they've done, or you'll have someone who's come up and go, this is the this is what we faced when we were staring down the barrel. Those are really great. That leads us to some great stories and interesting, right? Because now we got something new to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question for you, Craig. And and it's probably a question that I could ask you in person next week, but just for our audience sake, what's next for you and what's next for Gartner? What do you guys have coming down the pipe for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, we're doing, um, I'm trying to think what, it's a new question for me, right? Because I used to control the narrative of uh, Toba. But like, 
the things that we're, we're focused on are we are focused on data, revenue operations, this aligned point of view. So what I will present here at the conference is in line with everything we're doing, right? We have all these different groups at Gartner bringing things together to sort of make sure that we, you know, our customers want to be aligned on everyone wants to be aligned. And so like the, the things that I'm bringing to the table here will be definitely with the type of, you know, follows along with the type of research that we're doing and looking at. We're definitely all the themes that you heard throughout, like just a, a definite, study into the tech. I think tech surged in 2020 for everyone. And so we have a lot more to study and see, a lot more use cases, a lot more things happening in the space. Certainly there's a ton of consolidation and other things happening across sales and MarTech there. So that's not a big surprise. The big ones are alignment, revenue operations, product-led growth is another sort of emerging strategic point of view in on the marketing side. I will tell you this, you know, I'm doing most of my work actually with either all the executives in the room, but like my, I'm in the Gartner for sales leaders practice. And I just want everyone to know that account base, which I think marketers beat to, will not beat to death because we're all still in the process of integrating into everything, but we talked about it a lot, but the sales leaders are into it. Like it is a very, and across multiple verticals, talking about account base now. So, you know, believe it or not, in my opinion, there's a resurgence here. And part of the reason there is one is very simple, which is not everyone called it that, (laughs) right? I mean, you just took account base at its core. Like, do you target a certain type of customer? Yeah. Or do you want to and use data to go figure that out? You know, like just this, like, it's just sort of simplifying how we figure out if account base is the answer for someone and not use the acronym or use the big term or scare people that it's this, you know, I got to go do this, you know, ABM thing. Actually, you realize everyone's targeted, right? Everyone realized they needed to be targeted in 2020. And that infiltrated the sales suite, right? And the sales leaders and how they think about it. And that's really great for marketers, in my opinion, because they're really good at it, right? They're good at thinking about that was part of probably part of the changes we saw in 2020, but it was like when the sales leaders and the organization said, well, we got to flip target markets. We got to get after this market. You can't just like, how do you go right away? I think some form of an account-based strategy would work. Marketers were prepared. Sales leaders were into it. We went and go did it together. Now we're talking to sales leaders a lot. Like we have Chris Moody from my team who came from the world of marketing in Gartner for sales leaders, working with sales leaders on account-based. That's pretty exciting. So that's another one there, which is like, yeah, we've been talking about it for six years, but guess what? It's like, is going to proliferate now because it's across the aisle, it's across verticals, right? It's spreading across many different company types and that should be exciting for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we saw it ourselves too at Demand Gen Report, so many people doubling down on ABM and so much success too with it, especially in that whirlwind of a year that we just had. So big things coming for ABM practitioners for sure. Craig, That's all I got for you. Thank you so much for joining me today and for just being so excited about our event and going back to in-person and all that. I'm, I'm so excited to see you in just a few days. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to see you guys too. And so, uh, I will actually have to go in my closet though and get clothing, right? I can't wear sweats. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. We have to wear pants. Like, uh, that's the one thing I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll survive. But yeah, Greg, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, thanks to everybody listening. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. It's not too late to register for B2B SMX. If you can make the trip, I highly encourage you to join us for our first in-person event back after this whirlwind of a year that we just had. So check out the full agenda at b2bsalesmarketing.exchange. The link is in our show notes, so I'll toss it in there. Um, We've got Craig on board, obviously, alongside more keynotes from Sangram Vadre of Terminus, Microsoft's Danny Nail, Nick Westergaard of Marketing Profs, Mary Shea of Outreach, and Carmen Simon of Corporate Visions. And those are just the keynotes. So we've also got four breakout tracks covering ABM, demand gen, partner marketing, and RevOps, tons of case studies, lunch and learns, some workshops, and of course, a ton of safe and hygienic networking. Um, This is actually the last episode of the season. We're going to take a little break uh, to better prepare for for our big event next week um, and take a little breather. So be sure to subscribe to the pod on any podcast streaming service of your liking so you don't miss any new episode drops and of course that new season that's coming up very soon so we look forward to uh, seeing you when we get back and yeah check us out on social media as well if you have any feedback or guest suggestions talk to you soon everyone take care